Now, why would someone say that? He was saying, you're my friend, and I care about you, and I will assume the best, so you won't be able to offend me. Would you like to live that way? Would you like to have a marriage like that, where you, 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 you're unoffendable? Karen and I were sitting in a Holy Spirit conference listening to Francis Frangipane, and he was talking about living above fence. And he said, we're working on it in our marriage. I said, I poked her. I said, let's do that. So what would keep people from living above a fence? What would keep you? I'll tell you a couple things. When you've been injured, you tend to be cautious. When I smashed my toe, I was cautious. I, I did not want to bump it because I bumped it once against a typewriter stand and it really hurt. It really hurt. So I would walk guarded. When we've been injured a lot and we ha those have not been healed, we tend to be guarded, and so we tend to be defensive. Are you hearing me? Do you know what I'm talking about? Another group of people who find it hard to live above a fence is when we have become victims. A victim is someone, we've all, we've all been victimized. Life has victimized us, right? Jesus was a victim, but he didn't live as a victim. You don't have to live as a victim. But some people, they adopt it as their identity. I'm the divorced person. Or I'm the person that got abandoned as a child. I'm the person that flunked out of college. I'm the person that, uh, whose dad is an alcoholic. And so you identify that. You take it as your own. And you live as, as if it is your own. And so a victim feels a need for justice. And so when they've been offended, they legitimize taking up an offense. How about you? Is it easy for you to take up an offense or... Are you more on the side of saying, just so you know, it's really hard to offend me? When I heard him say that, I said, that's the way I want to live. And so I'm talking to you tonight about living above a fence. So Sally calls up Nancy and says, I'm thinking about going to that Jason Up Upton? Jason, what's is that the name? Jason Upton? Uh, concert. I think there's one coming. Would you want to go? Yeah, there is one. I'd like to go. And so she agrees to call her. She forgets. She goes. Sally goes, has a great time. Meanwhile, Nancy is waiting for the call. It doesn't happen. So she calls Jeanette and says, I don't know what happened. It's a bummer. And Jeanette says, well, why would she do that? Well, we're, we've been friends a long time. I don't think there's, well, Jonathan's driving. Oh, she really likes Jonathan. 
And pretty soon, they have a case against Sally. And it only becomes more sure when Sally calls the next day to apologize to Nancy. And Nancy tells Jeanette, she said she forgot. But we already know she didn't forget. The Bible talks about this. If you have Bibles, if you don't have Bibles, grab them. They're right here. I want everybody to have a Bible. Turn to... Proverbs 17. <laughs> it lingers afterwards. Proverbs 17.9. Listen to this. Somebody read it. Whoever's got it first, read it. Proverbs 17.9. Read it loud. The word, uh, you've heard the word Yom Kippur. Thank you, David. Yom Kippur is called the day of covering. Kippur in Hebrew is covering. What are we covering? The sheep that is slaughtered covers with the blood, covers sins of the Israelites. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away covers the sins of the world. We celebrate the day of covering, the day of Kippur, Yom Kippur, the atonement of Jesus Christ, the cross of Jesus. That's the covering of our sins. So, those who cover over an offense. How are you at covering offenses? When you're offended, are you willing to cover it? Or do you want to remember it? Are you more concerned about winning an argument or keeping it quiet? That's the issue. Will you seek to prove this person wrong, to prove that Sally really didn't forget? Here's what you're going to do. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Sadly, we've all been evangelists of offense. We have shared our offenses with other people. What is that about? It's about saving our own skin and ruining a 10-year relationship. Now Nancy has broken off with Sally because she believes the worst. Karen and I have agreed, I will believe the best about you and you believe the best about me rather than taking up an offense. If you have a friend and you believe the best, it'll be hard to, for you to be offended because you'll assume he wasn't trying to hurt me. Of course not. He wouldn't hurt you. And so if it happens, we say, I already forgive you. I already moved past that. But whoever repeats the matter. See, you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to win your own case rather than build a friendship. If you share it with somebody else, you may even cage it or, or, uh, or, or cage it with spirits words like, we need to pray for Sally. Don't be spiritual. You're scandalizing a relationship by taking up an offense rather than covering it with love. You are welcome, young lady. You, you can go in the second row. You can go in the first row. 
We are glad to have you. Now look at chapter 18. There are two, two possible responses to being offended. Now, offense happens. It happens a lot. People say things that can hurt us, and it can cause an offense. We've got a decision to make. It's not mandatory to take up an offense. Would that be true? It's not mandatory, so we have a choice in the matter. We can either choose to cover it over and say, I forgive that person in advance before they even ask for forgiveness. It's fun to do that. It's fun to forgive them ahead of time so that when they come to you and say, hey, I blew it, I'm really sorry, it's okay, I already forgave you. It's already done. Covers an offense, promotes love. You're promoting love. Instead of trashing a relationship so you can look better. Not a good thing. So, two options. Chapter 18, somebody read verse 19 of chapter 18, and this describes the person who chooses to take the offense. Somebody read it loud. You going to read it? Okay. If you, if you have been offended to take the offense, it's like you're in prison and we can't break through. You're in a citadel. We can't reason with you. We can't say, hey, you who, you're thinking wrong. you got to come out from underneath that. People who are easily injured and carry offenses, they're in prison. Now, I just want you to ask your question, is that I? Am I that person? Am I that one that I'm sensitive, I'm easily hurt, I'm easily affected by what people say, I'm bothered by them, I'm insecure, and it's hard for me not to take an offense. It's hard for me to forgive people. I'm not saying this to shame you. I'm saying it because I want you to make a decision tonight to go to a different place. Because that's not a good place to be in. Because it's very hard to connect with you. It's very hard to reason with that person. Offended brother is more unyielding. They're fighting. It's like they're victims and they need you to defend their cause. And their cause is a cause of justice. People like this are not into mercy. They haven't been able to receive God's mercy to the place where they're able to release it to others. If you know the mercy of God and you've experienced it, you want to give it away, right? You say amen. But if, if you're having a tough time receiving that, it's like my kids. 
Does, do your kids say this? He hit me fast. Never. They're, they're, okay. Yes, yes. I'm a, I'm a terrible dad. Why are you shaming me in front of these people? Uh, this morning. They are quick to forgive. Yeah, let me, I'll get to that. So they want justice because they got hit. What does the Bible call that? Eye for an eye. Tooth for a tooth. You hit, you took my tooth, I'll take yours. I, you take my eye, I'm taking yours. He hit me first, I can hit him back. Justice leads to justice. Where's the mercy in that? It doesn't exist. So if I'm walking in the mercy of God, I should be able to dispense it to others when they said something that was stupid. I'm going to overlook it. It's legal to overlook an offense. And you're right, Karen. They are very quick. She is very quick to, to uh, forgive. Yes, very very thankful. So, now turn to, it's interesting, Solomon got on this, and in three consecutive chapters, he gives scriptures dealing with offense. It is so important. It's so wonderful where we can come to a place, hey, I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there, aren't I, Kim? Yes, we are getting there where we're where it's very difficult for her to offend me. She's got to really work at it. And I'm there some of the time, right? Thank you. Chapter 19, verse 11. Somebody read it real loud. Here, one was the option if you hold on to the offense. Here's what happens if you don't hold on to the offense. Somebody read it. Say it, let's say it together. I want to live that way. I want to overlook it. I want to say it's not a big issue. I don't want to make little things big issues. I want to make little things even littler issues by saying, hey, it's okay. I've already forgiven you. I want to live that way because relationships are crucial in the body of Christ. We want to work together. We want to walk together. So here's Harvey and Jerry. They're on the youth team. Harvey's kind of a top-down leader. Jerry's laid back. And Jerry's uncomfortable with Harvey's way of doing things. Does this ever happen like that? Only all the time. We have different personalities that clash and that can create, you know, we say, mine's better than his. I'm more laid back. I'm more relaxed. Where he's top down. He, he's kind of pontifical. He, he, he wants to make it his way or no way or the highway. And, and so Jerry, in a time of weakness, talks to a couple people after the youth meeting, the youth council, and says, how do you feel about Harvey? 
and they mildly say, yeah, sometimes he's like that. Uh-oh. You just fueled discontent. You just gave Jerry permission to take it a little farther. And so he's establishing this credible court case where he's going to nail Harvey, and it's exactly that. And so Harvey and Jerry are getting farther and farther apart. And you know that it affects the whole youth group. Have you ever seen it before? I've seen it before, where, where two people, because one takes up an offense because of someone else's personality, their way of operating, and this person is not mature enough to let it go, they're, they're uh, touchy, and they're not willing to be patient. It's to his glory. Glory is the manifestation of character. I want the character of Christ. So what does Christ do? Well, he comes to earth, and his earth doesn't receive him. He's rejected by his family. He's rejected by the leaders of Israel. He's rejected by his own disciples. He's finally rejected by the the Sanhedrin. They condemn him to death. He's beaten three times. He had six mock trials. He goes to the cross and he's nailed to a piece of wood by Roman soldiers. What's his first order of business on the cross? Did he have issues that he could take up? Absolutely. He's a victim. But he chose not to be victimized. I want to take my cue from Jesus. And even when I hurt, even when people have taken advantage of me, even when people have said things and wanted to hurt, those soldiers knew what they were doing. They were killing this man. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And that's grace. That's such mercy. Giving people the benefit of the doubt. Giving them mercy when they deserve justice. That's the way I want to live. Is that possible? It absolutely is possible. For one reason, Jesus did it, and he lives in me. It's not possible for me to pull it off, but <clears throat> I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so I say, Christ, I don't want to live by taking up all kinds of offenses. I don't want to be offended by people because I will have a, a heart that's in prison to my own false perspective, my own false perception. I want to be free from that to, to cover people with love. I want to live that way. I suspect that you do too. And so I want to learn Colossians 3, 13, somebody read that. This is the real clincher. This helps to, to bring it all home. Colossians 3, 13. See if you can read it before David gets it up on the screen. Say it, honey. Bear with each other. In other words, put up with each other. 
forgive whatever grievances. Now, don't we have grievances against one another? It's realistic. We do. We do have things. There are things that people do that upset us, that bug us, that causes concern. It's going to happen. Grievances happen. So how do we deal with them? We forgive people. We say, I forgive them. That's who they are. This is who I am. And I choose whatever grievances you may have. So they're real. They're not imagined. They're real. Whatever grievances, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So there's power tonight for you to receive the Lord's forgiveness for not walking this way. And then to say, let's live above a Let's live above offense. We can do it. We can, we can live as partners above offense. We can do it as, as brothers and sisters, as a part of communitas. We can live that way. It's powerful. I hope you can come to a place where you can say to me or someone else, just so you know, it's almost impossible to offend. You read it, honey. Right on. Offended people legitimize slander. Unoffendable people choose the humble highway rather than the off-ramp of offense. Did you like that? Thank you. Thank you. So being offended, it looks like it's my privilege, but it becomes my burden. It becomes something that oppresses me. It weighs me down. It makes it difficult for me to connect with people. It, it brings insecurity to the forefront of my life. Whereas the more I'm forgiving, the more healthy I can be. That's it. That's my message. Any questions? Go ahead and clap, Naomi. She wants to clap. Any any questions or comments, David? Humility. Rather than the off-ramp of offense. Any comments or questions? Yeah, John. 
very good question because there are times when forgiving them does not mean that you don't confront. There are times when it says you go to that person. And the Bible says, insofar as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Some people we will not live peaceably with because they won't agree with our standards in God. And so, if necessary, we will confront. As I've said many times to Communitas people, we walk toward the tension rather than away from it. Our tendency is to run from tension. But where we feel tension in relationship, God is calling us to move toward that tension and deal with it. So it may be to say to something, I just want you to know that I forgive you. Or it may say, we need to deal with this because there's a rupture in our relationship. And we need to walk, do you want to do that? And they may say yes or may say no. So thank you for asking that because I wanted to clarify that. That this doesn't mean that you just overlook it and let people keep beating you up. Especially if you're a child and you have parents who are being abusive, that's not right. And you need to have a way to deal with that and you need care, you need help with from other people to deal with it. Yeah. Good. That's true. And how, when Peter said how often need, did he need to forgive, what did Jesus say? He said up to seven times, Peter said, he thought he was going to the max. What was it? That is true. When it's like husband or wife or like a relationship, like a mentor relationship or a son father. Mm-hmm. Son father is probably the deepest, but at least for me it was. Like yeah. And I think that's the hardest to forgive. Where I've counseled with people who could forgive someone, a spouse or a parent, for what they did in the past, but it's ongoing. And that's when it's really, it's really difficult well, to. Right, right. What did I do? And then you could become, it could be a snowball into, you know, full-fledged arguments and, yeah. and become really offensive. So yeah. you really need the wisdom and discernment of the Holy Spirit to know what am I saying or thinking and what am I, where are my thoughts? Because, Lord, the Holy Spirit's looking at your 
And that's why I like that verse 19 where it says, a man's wisdom gives him patience. What do I do in this situation, God? What's, what's wisdom in this situation? How do I feel? Yeah, by the way, I forgive you to that person because you want them to acknowledge yeah. that they hurt you. Yeah, come on. So come it's on. really just a backhanded way to get back at them, which means you haven't forgiven them. So exactly. you're lying. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anybody else? Okay, I want to yell. That was a very good sentence. That was a very good sentence. And who are you sitting next to, by the way? Chloe. Chloe. Hi, Chloe. Nice to have you. What he said is forgiveness is tearing up the IOU. The IOU says, you hurt me. You owe me respect. Now, will they pay you back? They may or they may never. They may not ever pay you back. So forgiveness says, I'm tearing it up. They don't owe me anything. If I get it, great. A, a sick parent may not give a child the love they need. And that's sad, but it's reality. Gage? In a way, it's like kind of like setting yourself that's exactly what it is. You're setting yourself free because you were in prison when you were withholding forgiveness. And in fact, the Bible says that in Matthew 18, if we don't forgive, we are given over to the tormentors. We are in prison. We're literally in a, an emotional prison. So, go Yeah. I think our tendency is to try to fix it and try to like jump into it. Especially if they're not a believer and they they got a lot of woundedness. I like the word overlook. It sounds like we're just going to let it pass by. We're not going to deal with it. it, It's to a man's credit to overlook 
out of fear. I want to pray with you, and I'd like you to consider one more question from Andy. Andy asked the question, have you ever been in a situation where it was hard for you to forgive and you didn't, weren't sure whether you had it within you? It took a while for me. I, I was carrying something that happened when I was in seminary and I carried it for quite a while. And then I realized I'm still angry. And it was years later. I still ha have not forgiven this person. I was, I was given grace to do it and it was dealt with, and so now I don't have those feelings anymore, but it took longer than I wish it would have. So, pardon? Uh, the Lord just gave me grace. I can't explain it. I, I was just given the ability, the ability to do it. So, so you may have things tonight where you're saying, I'm not sure if I can. Let, let's pray on that. Yeah, Amanda? Um, I've been in situations like that before where it's really difficult to forgive. And um, basically it's kind of like if you make yourself vulnerable before God, he'll give you empathy of the other person. Mm -hmm. And then you can forgive because you're seeing it through a different perspective. Wow. Rather than seeing it through all of your hurt, you're That's seeing it through... God's grace and mercy, and the grace and mercy is like so convicting that you can't hold on to it. And you just like, He's given me like love and affection for people. Oh. Yeah. And I have found that God has used that in me a couple times to, to change my heart towards somebody. It's so that I wasn't just thinking it anymore. Like, I forgive them, I guess, but like, so I was actually like, yeah. Yeah. Chloe, did you want to say something? Yeah.
pray for them, pray that God touches their heart, and that That's in the meantime, good. just um, just try to just uh, just yeah. put them in God's hands and just keep praying that God will touch their heart and just release all grief and Let's do that now. Let's uh, call on Byron. Pardon? Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness doesn't hurt the one who you refuse to forgive. They could care less. Unforgiveness hurts the one they refuse to forgive. And that bitterness grows like a cancer making you physically sick. Forgiveness is a choice. We must choose to forgive those who hurt us so that we can be healed. That's very good. So here's what I want to start with. I want to start with any of you who now are saying, I have somebody that I need to forgive, but I'm having difficulty. Raise your hand if you're saying, I have somebody to forgive, but I'm having difficulty doing it. Okay, we've got about six, six of us. Okay, let's pray. let's pray first for that. Pray first for grace for these who need to, need to forgive. If you're next to somebody and you saw their hand go up, go ahead and put your hand on it. Does somebody have a prayer for these people? Somebody feel like you're supposed to pray for them? For their for their ability to to do it? Okay, Dave. Give them grace. Yes. Yes. Yes, God. We trust you to give them the grace, the grace that they need.
Now the second thing I want to do is to uh, invite you to a commitment that Karen and I made at that conference. I wish I'd made it as a young father uh, because I took offense. Sadly, she was a mother with young kids and had a, a heavy duty assignments and when things went over the top because of the stress that she was feeling, I took offense at that. I'm embarrassed to say that. She's forgiven me, but I wish I'd learned how at your age to live above offense. So I'm inviting you to take this challenge tonight rather than when I took it at age 55 or so. So here's my challenge that you say to the Lord, by your grace, I want to learn to live above offense in my relationships, in my church, in my family, in my marriage, with my, with my parents, with my siblings. I want to learn to live above offense. What a wonderful gift you give to other people. What a wonderful gift that friend was to me. I couldn't offend him. So I want you to be that way. So some of you are going to make that I don't want you to raise your hand, but I just want you to, in your heart, as I pray now for you, if you're going to make that decision, you go ahead and tell the Lord that that's the way you want to live and watch what he does over the next few weeks. Father, this is commitment time, and this is time for you to do a fresh work of grace that, that changes our outlook of who we are that gives us grace that we didn't know was available to forgive, to forgive people, and it becomes easier than we thought it was going to be. And we actually find it fun to live this way. I pray that you would pour down your grace upon people who have been victimized by life and have found themselves victims. I pray that you would show them where they are acting like victims to release them from that incredible bondage of living out a victim mentality. I pray that you begin to set them free. I pray that you give them revelation so that they come to a, a freedom that they are not actually a victim, that they are actually a victor just as Jesus was. I pray that in the months ahead, people will look back and say, I am a different woman. I am a different man. I am living differently in my relationships than I have in the past. There's grace for you tonight. I feel the pleasure of God as I say this to you right now. I just feel the pleasure of God. He's so pleased because he knows there are going to be changes that become lifelong changes in your life, in your, in your connection.
connections in your relationships. So I bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor, grant you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, do we have time to do a little prayer now, or do we want to do announcements? You're on. So whatever you, it's your call. Your call.